Yeah. I, I did sleep well last night. The night before was cold outside, and uh, I had a 40-pound young girl next to me who does not give off much heat. <laughs> I was the heat source, and I was not doing well. Uh, it was funny. I, I've, I've en always enjoyed these weekends, and there was a small group of us sitting around and talking about funny expressions people say. And uh, Pastor Dan shared with us one funny expression that he heard recently when the, uh, the power went out that uh, they said, and they sent out an email, the power company, that said, we'll let you know, uh, you know, when the power comes back, and they sent it via email. Doesn't make sense, right? I heard another CEO said, uh, whenever the network goes down and the email goes down, please send me an email to let me know. And uh, I also have an, an apology to make. Where's the Atkins? Are they back there? They're in the kitchen, okay. Publicly make an apology. There, there's a sign on the, uh, on the, hay, you know, the, 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 uh, the trailer that has the hayride on it. It says, hayride rules. And most of the people who ride on the hayride are little kids. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, here we go. These kids are going to read these rules, right? I think they're for the parents, right? I can see them right now. B, C, we'll never get the ride off, right? Never get it off. But you know what? I saw a lot of parents riding it, so I need to apologize to the Adkins that, that those rules were actually good because parents wrote on them as well. So have to apologize for that. Now, huh, and, and really praying this morning about this message, uh, in Sunday school, uh, Don, Donnie and I have been teaching together tag team and one of the things that we've been really concentrating on is decision-making process for young people and how does that affect us just think about this morning how many decisions did you have to make before you actually came to church here first of all you decide what time to get up you had to decide to get up decide which side of the bed to get off of decide am I going to take a shower now or do I shave you know whatever it is I gotta decide what I'm gonna eat for breakfast, what I'm gonna wear, what time I'm gonna leave, what time I'm gonna get here, or am I gonna yell at my kids, or am I not going to? All of those things just to get to church. We're in constant decision making mode. And it's so important for us in the decision making process that we look very carefully at the basis of the foundation of how we make decisions. Now, a lot of those examples I gave you don't have spiritual impacts. However, your motives and your attitudes have spiritual impacts in the decision-making process that, that's there. Recently, I had my boss come to me and said, hey, Kurt, I just want to let you aware of an opportunity within our organization. It would be a promotion for you. Here's all the great things about it. And let's talk about it. I said, well, let me, let me say something to you first of all. I, I appreciate your letting me know. But I don't make decisions based off of position or finances. I will never make a decision based off of that. So now let's talk about the decision. And it all seemed great. And after looking at all the factors, I said, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Because it would take my family away from here, we'd have to move, and there's a number of things that would just not pause about it. I said, I can't do it. Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna 
not take a better position and better pay? No, I'm not gonna. It's fine. I, I'm not worried about that piece. And I had to, now, I made that decision not back up. That, if, that, if I was in a different position, a different place, and I was not a person who was thinking in that way, trying to think biblically about my decision-making process, I have made a big mistake. And, and who knows what happened, family, whatever it may be. We've got to really be conscientious of how we look at things. And you know what? I, I, I titled this message, Putting It Together, the Framework for Decision-Making. Now, what does that mean? I mean, it can mean a lot of things. But you know, when we think of decision-making, there's a lot of formulas out there, right? If you go through these 10 steps, you know, supposedly biblical steps, they'll help you in, in biblical decision-making. However, I think we miss something. If we think about the framework, we think backwards on this, the decision-making process becomes quite simplified. So that's why I called it the framework for decision-making. So, you know, I see challenges are going on, some major challenges in, in so-called evangelical Christianity today. And I'm just going to give you three major ones. There's godliness versus worldliness. It's amazing you know, how God works all things out not knowing what each of us were going to be, be sharing um, while Patrick is recovering. Um, but last night, certainly Alan challenging about worldliness. We have a challenge today in our churches of godliness versus worldliness. We have another challenge. It's mixing Christianity. It's a mixing of Christianity into the world. Or it's a lack of distinction between Christians and non-Christians. That is becoming more difficult to do. Why do I say that? Think of the history of even rock music, right? Most young people today don't know the history of rock music and therefore don't understand the context of why folks maybe in my generation or slightly older shy away from anything that sounds like that because rock music was all about rebellion. Even the way the music was written, the music itself, I'm not talking about the words, the music itself was rebellion against the established kind of set of music principles. And now we have a mix of that with so-called Christian rock and, and we have challenges with that. Our churches have challenges. What's another challenge that goes on? It's de-emphasizing the importance of God's word and making decisions because of the first two challenges are going on. And I want to read something to you from a book called Right Thinking in a World Gone Wrong. And this is just the introduction into this. And it's John MacArthur who writes a couple things, so bear with me And what I'm reading. I think you have to, to read, uh, I have to read a good bit of it just to help understand the context. He writes in the introduction here, it is common in the evangelical church today for people to verbally acknowledge that the Bible as God's word is the final authority for both what they believe and how they live. Yet in reality, listen, in reality, a clear connection between that public confession and personal conduct is rare. I want you to challenge yourselves today, all right? Think about this. Think about your own life and your decision-making process 
and what are you using to make those decisions. Claiming that scripture is true and complete should preclude evangelicals from turning to other sources for establishing thought and life. Yet many do just that. In cosmology, for example, a straightforward reading of Genesis 1 through 2 is often dismissed on the basis of modern evolutionary theories. In apologetics, philosophy and human reason frequently take precedence over scripture. And in the church growth, demographic surveys, marketing techniques, and a man-centered theology with a watered-down gospel override clear biblical truth. He goes on and say, to this list, the subject of morality and ethics must be added. Instead of looking to the Bible, many professing Christians look to psychology and sociology for supposed solutions to personal needs and social ills. The church has the answer, folks. You don't have to send them somewhere else. Think about that. The rise of postmodern thought has similarly skewed the church's understanding of right and wrong as an unbiblical tolerance in the name of love, right? If it's all about love, it's okay. That's what he's saying here. That's not okay. Has weakened churches to the point where they are often soft on the truth as they are on sin. Finally, the fact is that far too many Christians live their lives day in and day out on the basis of something other than the Bible. As a result, their priorities reflect the world's priorities, not God's. Their patterns of behavior and their plans for the future differ only slightly from those of their unsaved friends and neighbors. Their expenditures reveal that, they, that their perspective is temporal and that they are vainly pursuing the elusive American dream. Their shortcomings, when they admit to them, receive the same fault-free labels that the world ascribes, mistakes or diseases or addictions rather than sins. As they search for answers in psychology, medication, or the self-help section of the bookstore, though they adhere to an external form of tradition, traditional Christian moralism, there isn't anything particularly biblical or Christ-centered about how they live. Think about it. So behind us, we have some guiding principles. So there's kind of an introduction to thinking, and a lot of those thoughts that, that I, I read from there are, are part of what I had put together. First of all, in order for us to have true biblical thinking and help us with our decision-making process, we've got to have a couple of guiding principles here. First of all, we need to be a new creation. If we are not believers, if we are not saved, the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of his word cannot effectively work within our lives. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. These things should not be that far from your understanding. These are very familiar passages. And I know how Pastor Dan feels sometimes with being pressed for time. So we'll get through this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things come, have come. We are, folks, we are in Christ. We don't have time to talk about the implications of being in Christ means, but we are in Christ, and the benefits of what Christ has to offer for us are part of our living now as well. We have all those things. 
We can benefit from the Holy Spirit. We can benefit from his word. We can benefit from Christ's example in scripture because we are in Christ. We are not living for ourselves. Did Christ live for himself? This is casual, so you can say yes or no, it's okay. Did he live for himself? No, he did not. If we are to be an example, an imitator of Christ, are we to live for ourselves? The answer is no. So in your decision-making process, you cannot think about, is it for myself? Second thing from this, we are a new creature or creation. Why are we a new creature or creation? Because the old one is dead. It says, if you look earlier in the context, it is dead. Therefore, we are a new creature or a creation. And what does it say? Continue on with there. I put the expression out with the old and in with the new. Right? The old nature cannot be a part of that new creature. Old works are dead. New life in Christ. So part of the foundation or, or the framework of our helping ourselves make good biblical decisions is found here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We need to be regenerate people. Second thing, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And, and I want you to know, you know from me, typically I do expository preaching, and that's what I like to do, but uh, looking at this topic and using as a, a, a Sunday school class felt was um, something to, to use the whole counsel of God in here, I think uh, works the advantage of what we're talking about here. So we have a sure foundation, folks. We're going to look at a couple of passages, but Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, actually, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. A couple of points here. We have a sure foundation. It's based on what? From this passage, God's power. I'm not going to read anything any more than what's in scripture here. It's based on his divine power. And what's it good for? You tell me. What's it good for? What did you say? All things, some things, nothing? All things. My translation says everything. Pertaining to what? And, and past here, life and godliness. Is there anything else outside of life? Well, there's death, but are we here on this earth? The answer is yes, right? Everything that we need, everything that we have, our life that we have in Christ has everything we need to live this life. And nothing more than that. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. So it's based on God's divine power. It's for life and godliness. It's imparted through the knowledge of the Lord. I thank the Lord that I don't have to figure this out on my own. I have God's word to do that. The world doesn't have that. That's why they have no hope. We have that. And it's exciting to know that. It's imparted through the knowledge of God why, it's, or, or for what and why, if you continue on in that passage, just through the no, true knowledge of him who called us. So it's for the called. For what? For what purpose? Again, you answer. For what purpose? 
God's glory and it's the theme that's going on in Fellowship Christian Academy this year, right? Excellent. A plug for you, Pastor Chris, all right? Excellence for his glory and excellence. So when you think in your decision-making process, if it does not bring God honor and glory and it's not causing excellence, I've got to rethink what I'm doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 to 16. Rapid fire. We're going to go through this. We don't have time to really dig deep into each passage, but I'm trying to get points across here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse, starting in verse 9. We actually used this in Sunday school class, the very first one of the summer. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For we are God's fellow worker, you are God's field, God's building. So what does a good building need? A good foundation. That's what we're going to see. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid. Who is our foundation? Jesus Christ is our foundation. So on his word, on his authority, on his example, we have to build our foundation. And if we have the right foundation, which is based on Jesus Christ, it's going to vastly facilitate the decision-making process. It doesn't mean that every decision is easy. It means the decision-making process is simplified because we have God's word as the basis, as the foundation. Turn over to Matthew chapter 22. What else is the framework for decision-making process? Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. This is also was shared in Sunday school class. And I uh, appreciate what we talked about this morning in Sunday school class on this. It was also mentioned by Pastor Chris while he was sitting there at the, uh, the piano, these two, these two commandments. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, verse 34, sorry, of Matthew 22, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the, in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So in our decision-making process and thinking through that, we've got these pair of commandments here, right? What's the first one? Love the Lord your God, and I put it with everything you have. With everything you have, love the Lord your God. What's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. So now you've got this upward connection with God. I will do whatever I need to do to please my Savior. With everything I have, with who I am, your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second one is loving your neighbor as yourself. This is an encapsulation of our behavior, right? So how do we behave in making decision-making process? Again, a litmus test is, is it showing that I love God with everything that I have? And second of all, is it showing that I'm loving my neighbor? Take selfishness out of the picture completely. 
which is so often a part of our decision-making process. Matthew chapter 5, I'm not going to read through it. It's the Beatitudes. It's, you know, blessed, poor in spirit. I'm going to simply tell you, I, I put this as a title, a, a good framework for us is a set of standards. Now, we get nervous about the word standards, right? That means you're telling me what I have to do. You're being legalistic. No, I'm not being legalistic. I'm using scripture to help me determine my behavior. If that's what I call a set of standards, so be it. And if you're afraid of that, I'm sorry, but that's in scripture. Set of standards, poor in spirit, you're a mourner, you're gentle, you thirst and hunger for righteousness, you're merciful, you're pure in heart, you're a peacemaker, and you're able to handle persecution. Those are, those are standards that we need to have in our, in, in our lives as believers. And finally, turn to Romans chapter 12. Lots of scripture, lots of things to meditate upon. We could, we could, I could take each of those passages and, and have a message on those, but it's the framework, folks. It's the framework by which we need to have established within our own lives in order to make the biblical decision-making process quite easy. Romans chapter 12, now we could go through verses 1 through 21, and we'll, we'll do a, a few things on here, but let me give you a quick outline of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. First of all, I call this our daily formula, and I don't like to use the word formula because it says if you do steps one through five, you will have success. And I'm not saying that's the process. I'm going to share you this is the formula that, that comes within Scripture. Pastor Dan challenged us, oh, I think it was a couple months ago on this, presenting yourselves daily, your bodies daily, and renewing your minds. And that's why I say this is a daily form. When you wake up in the morning is the first decision you make is that I'm going to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And I'm going to renew my mind for God. Is that the first thing that you do? Is that the first decision you make in the morning when you wake up? Or is it, I'm just going to figure out how to get out of bed and get, my, get the, the fog lifted from there. But again, a quick... A quick uh, outline is, first of all, verse 1 is presenting your body as a living and holy sacrifice. Second is in verse 2, renewing your mind. Third, or 3 through 8 is know and exercise your gifts for the good of the body. Then finally, verses 9 through 21, behave like a Christian. Again, I talk about this. If you've got the framework correct, the decision-making process is simplified. So if I'm thinking about this verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I'm saying you've got to change your allegiance. Where is your allegiance today? Is your allegiance in the almighty dollar, the American dream, the position? What is your allegiance? Where is your allegiance? And I, I challenge you today to make your allegiance the same as God's. His allegiance. To bring honor and glory to him. Second of all, verse 2. I'm already there. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You've got to change your thinking, folks. You've got to change your thinking. Renew your mind 
so that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Starting in verse 3, again, I won't go through it, but really in verses 3 through 8, it's change your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? We got through the, um, the small group studies this past year, and we talked about functioning within the body, unity within the body. And do you know if you're not exercising your spiritual gift within the body of Christ, you are doing a disservice to the body of Christ. You're not helping out. I cannot receive the blessing that I should be receiving from the body of Christ because you are not exercising your spiritual gift. That's a challenge for all of us in that area. And we need to exercise, and on the flip side, we need to exercise our spiritual gift because that's what God wants us to do. It helps complete the body of Christ and brings about that unity. And then verses 9 through 21, I mean, it's rapid fire stuff here. I just want to go through it. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Is anything in here me-focused? Please name it for me. There's nothing in here that is me-focused. It is others Focused, And when you make a decision that says, I am not going to do that, why? Because it's not good for me. It's amazing how often people, when they get biblical counsel, says, yes, I realize that's what the Bible says, but I'm just not going to do it. Wow, really? It's amazing. Again, looking at here, you're behaving like a Christian, right? Behave like one. Change your priorities. From, I'm going to do it for me, it's my right, it's my liberty. We talked about this morning. You turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and Paul says, I will do nothing, in essence, the, the principle there, I will do nothing if it does, if it, it hinders my brother's walk with the Lord. That means everything is on the table from a Christian liberty standpoint. Everything's on the table. So that I will not do anything that will cause my brother to humble. Now, there may be situations where here I can do it, here I cannot do it. But nothing is not on the table from a Christian liberty standpoint when you're making decisions about that to not cause your brother to humble. Everything. This is life, folks. It's not a game. We're dealing with, with, with a battle that's going on out there, correct? There's a battle. And we've got to make right decisions here. But in order to do that, again, I'm not, have I given you a formula here per se? No. It's the framework. It's what's behind us that helps us make those decisions for ourselves. So I want you to ask yourself. I want everybody to, to close their Bible, prepare like you're leaving. And I'll give you that 30 seconds to do that, or 10 seconds, so that we're, we're just concentrating on this, and then we'll pray. Okay? I'm going to hear the last zipper. <laughs> I will ask these questions of you. And it's not, oh, by the way, those, those who are in yellow get to go in line first for lunch. No. 
want you to ask yourselves, now that you've got your Bibles closed and you're looking at me, there was, a, there was a preacher one time who said, all right, folks, look here, look this way. So look this way. I want you to ask yourself a couple of questions. All right, here's your first one I want you to ask yourself. Am I using the Word of God as my only source for making decisions? There's counsel from other people, godly people, but is their source from Scripture? So I'm not taking away from biblical counsel. I'm talking about Scripture. Am I using the Word of God as my only source for making decisions? If not, you need to change your thinking. Second question, am I disregarding the Word of God as I make decisions? And you may think this may be a trivial thing, but it's not, folks. You're violating Scripture by not obeying. If you are, then you either need to confess your sin and change your thinking, or folks, you need to search your heart to find out whether you're part of the family of God or not. And while this message is, is specific to believers, as I believe messages ought to be within a congregation of, of the majority are, are believers, for you, there may be a person out here that says, this, this makes no sense whatsoever. And maybe you haven't experienced Christ as Savior like, like many of us here have. I'm begging you today, when, when, when you make decisions, you're, you're going you're gonna to be making decisions toward a road that is not a pleasant one from an eternity perspective. Christ came to earth to die on the cross for you, for our sins, because we needed someone, because our sins separates us from God. You need to understand that sacrifice, accept it, and live for him. Were you challenged this morning? As I went through it this summer, this whole thought process, it challenged my thinking quite a bit. And the word of God is faithful. And it has not failed anyone. And we need to use that as the foundation. And these things are the foundation of our biblical decision-making process. I pray the Lord has used this in your hearts and lives today to challenge you as has challenged me over this past summer. Let's pray. Lord, you are a gracious and merciful God. We sang about that today. What a blessing that is because we know that we are part of the called and we know we are called to righteous living, to living that brings you glory and produces excellence. Help us not to forget those. Help us to rely upon your word and never forget the great sacrifice you made to complete this word, fulfill the promises within this word. Help us to think rightly. It's, it's, a, it's a world that bombards us with selfishness and feeding the flesh Help us to feed the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in our lives. Bring honor and glory to your name. We thank you for, for your word. We thank you for loving us. Change us where we need changing today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.